From Revenue Rhino, I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. We're interviewing successful sales and marketing leaders and discussing ways in which they're building lifelong relationships with their customers. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Eric Herrera from Colby. Eric, it's really nice to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Brad. It's a pleasure. Yeah, totally. So tell me a bit about yourself and your company. So about me personally, that's way too long of a story. So I'll, <laughs> I'll definitely, I'll start with Colby. Our goal, our mission overall as a company is we want to help people achieve the things that they care about most. And the way that we do that is by understanding how they naturally get things done. So me, you, everybody that's listening, everybody out in the world, we have a specific MO or modus operandi, right? If I call you on a random Tuesday morning and I say, hey, Brad, can you help me with this? If I understand your cognitive strengths, I understand how you're going to go about helping me or how you're going to solve that problem. That's how we help people achieve what they want to or achieve what they care about most is we're going to understand how you problem solve, and then we're going to set you up for success in getting those things done. Very cool. That's awesome. So what does a typical customer look like for you guys, and and what do you tend to do for them? So it's the good and the bad of the business that we're in. Because we help people, and we measure people, there are lots of different ways that you can apply it. And, And sometimes we almost have too many opportunities or too many avenues to go down. And so we have to somewhat focus ourselves a little bit. And so for us, there's really two primary target markets. The first is uh, a decision maker that really cares about getting results through their people and wants to develop them and see them succeed. And oftentimes that's in a small to medium-sized business, but If you're a decision maker in a Fortune 500 company and at your location or in your division, you still need to get results through people, we help those decision makers. The second target market that we have, we call them certified consultants. For the listeners, if you guys want to think of them as our reseller channel, that's the second group. And those folks are experts at a certain part of their business. Some of them are experts in executive coaching. Some are experts in team performance. Some are experts in things like Lean Six Sigma, whatever it is, be amazing at that. But if you then layer on top this deeper understanding of people that Colby brings, now you can supercharge your own results and the results for your clients. Nice. That's really cool. You're telling me a bit about all the assessments you do and that sort of thing. I'd love for the listeners to hear just a little bit more about all that and more specifics around these assessments? Yeah. So let's take a a step back a little bit. So overall, us as people, we have, if you want to think of them as three buckets of strengths, or if you want to think of them as three parts of the mind, either way, it's the same thing. And at Colby, we didn't come up with this stuff. It was the ancient Greeks. So Aristotle, Plato, way back then, they were talking about these three parts of the mind. The first part is the cognitive part of the mind. That's the stuff that's locked inside of your head. What uh, knowledge have you acquired over time? What experiences have you gained? What did you learn in school? Or what have you learned through professional education? That's kind of stuff. The second part is what we call the affective. 
Those are things like motivation, values, whether it's your own personal values, your values as an organization or as a team. But what also lives in affect are things like personality. So are you more extroverted or are you more introverted? I personally have worked with a little over a thousand teams. And what I found is most people know those two buckets of their strengths. The stuff that you remember a little bit of what you learned in school, and you may even have done some sort of short form intelligence test. Could have done something like the Wonderlick, which is the test they use to measure incoming athletes into the NFL, or you've taken a, a skills test or a licensing test like a six or a 63. So most people know the cognitive part. Most people also know the affective part. It's, am I extroverted or introverted? Because you've probably completed something like a DISC, a Myers-Briggs, predictive index, even silly things on Facebook, like what Disney princess character are you, right? Obviously with different levels of scientific validity, but they're all still measuring what is something about your personality? We're looking at that third part of the mind, as I said before, is how do you problem solve? How do you instinctively get things done? When you're engaged and you're like, yes, I have to accomplish this, there's a predictable way we're all going to go about that process. And that's what we measure with our assessments is how do you do that? Oh, that's very cool. That's awesome. So tell me about what this last year has looked like for you guys, 2020 and what the impact on your business has been and maybe some of the pivots you've made. Yeah, absolutely. So like most people outside of Zoom and Netflix, when March, April came around, things were definitely down for sure. I'm going to guess it was somewhere in the 35 to 40% range off of the previous year. You know, and honestly, there was a time where I stopped looking at the numbers because it wasn't doing me any good and it was just stressing me out even further. And so I had to work with our team and figure out, right, how do we shift the way that we do things? How do we come up with new ways and try to close that gap? Um, the great part is we pretty much did. We ended 2020 only down about three and a half percent, which nice. as a sales leader, of course, you always want, you want the numbers to go up and to the right, but I have to be a real, realistic. There was lots of stuff going on that was way outside of my control. And so I think we did a pretty good job turning the corner and getting back to at least even. Oh yeah, that's great. What are some of those pivots that you made to turn the corner and get back to even? I can tell you it wasn't an easy process. There were lots of banging my head against the wall behind me and trying lots of stuff that didn't work. And in the beginning, as soon as everything happened and there was like the national lockdown, I I told my team, I was like, look, just reach out to our clients and just say hi. Don't try to sell them anything. Don't do it. Just, hey, how are you doing? Are you guys okay? What's going on? And were we selling anything? No. But we, at least we were reaching out. We were building some of those relationships. And because now everybody was using something like Zoom, where typically you're on the phone, now you actually got to look your customer eye to eye and those sorts of things that you probably weren't doing before. And that built some of those relationships. And those people that we connected with later on when their businesses started to turn the corner, it wasn't that they didn't need us anymore. They knew they still need us. They just had to put us on pause. So as they turned the corner, they brought us along and said, hey, you guys come with us. Nice. But there were lots of things that I tried because I'm our VP of sales, but I'm also one of our master consultants. 
And so I reached out to all of our entrepreneurs, all the small business owners. And I said, I I don't remember exactly what my email said, but basically, hey, business sucks right now. I understand that. I'm happy to help. Just talk. I just want to be an ear that you can bend and I'm happy to listen. Let me know if you want to talk. And I had some great conversations with folks like that. So that was the beginning of how we started to move in the right direction. Nice. So what do you see for the year ahead as we move into 2021 here? I think there's still a lot of uncertainty, unfortunately. Things change all the time and regulations change and from state to state, especially here in the U.S., right? And and as an example, a fair amount of our business is from training courses. And prior to March, that was pretty much all in person. We pivoted and we shifted those all to virtual and those have been really successful. We've actually sold out every single virtual session that we've had that we had in 2020, and we sold out the first one of 2021. So that was part of it. And in that virtual environment, kind of turning the corner, those sorts of things, it was figuring out a, a new way to, to connect and deliver some of that stuff is what really helped. Nice. What do you see as your greatest challenge as we head into this year? So it, it goes back to that training piece, right? So we're going back to doing some in-person trainings, even for our virtual trainings, because things are so much up in the air, we find it people aren't planning out two, three, six months in advance like they used to. It's more of, I'm not really sure what's going to happen. So I'm going to wait until two or three weeks before, and then I can be pretty sure. Now I'm going to pull the trigger and make something happen. And so it's condensed our sales cycle somewhat instead of, like I said, planning out, okay, we know that Bill's going to come to training in July. Now Bill's going to wait until two weeks before that happens and then say, yes, I'm in. Mm. I can tell you that our staff on the admin side that has to get everything ready, they're not super excited about that because now they have to rush to get all the materials together, but it's the world that we live in right now. Yeah, totally. So obviously you have a lot of um, experience with sales and marketing and, and all this space. What are ways in which you've learned to successfully build lifelong relationships with customers? I, I think it starts with how you build relationships with people. Because at the end of the day, Yes, XYZ Corporation is my customer, but it's really the VP of operations that's my customer or the president of a division or or something like that. And something I found really helpful is ask a lot of questions. I actually play a game when I go on customer calls with my salespeople or when I used to go on them for myself, I would try to talk as little as possible. And so I would ask really big, broad, wide, open-ended or investigative questions and just see how much can I get them going. My record is 11 minutes. So I asked one question and I got somebody to talk for 11 minutes straight. The awesome part was he got all of that stuff off of his chest and he told me about the challenges that were going on in his business. And for me, I got to learn all about that in his business. And it was then really easy to formulate a solution because he gave me all the ammunition I need. I'm like, okay, I got this and this. All right, we put these two pieces together. Here we go. Here's how I can help you. I think that's the start is just listening to other people. As sales folks, often 
our favorite part is the presentation because that's showtime. I get to show you all the cool stuff about my product or my service. That isn't as important if you don't know what it means to the other person. So listen first, really understand their situation. And even when you are presenting, pause for a minute, double check, kind of make sure, yes, I'm on the right page. Totally. So bouncing off of that, and I think I might know your answer here, but what should be the key takeaway for other sales and marketing leaders, just to reiterate the point, to building lifelong customer relationships? So especially because we're, we're talking about leaders, this doesn't just apply to our customers. Because even if you're the world's best salesperson and then you get moved up to sales manager, director of sales, VP of sales or whatever, you're never going to be able to sell as much as the 35 people that work for you, no matter how amazing you are. So build a relationship with them, understand what their concerns are, what their frustrations are. And I always see my job as a leader as how do I get all of the junk out of their way that slows them down from letting them be their amazing selves. So whether it's a hiccup in the CRM or some funky process when we're talking in between accounting and sales and trying to get deals done or whatever it is, how do I remove that, break it, reconfigure it so that I can make their lives easier? If you do that, you build a better relationship with them. And you're also role modeling, right? Because you're asking a lot of questions. You're getting to understand their specific situation and then solving issues that they care about. And then when you talk about, okay, this is what we need to do with our customers, they they see the connection like, ah, okay, I get what it's going on. So I'm using a technique, but it's, it's building that relationship. And I tell myself, people like, hey, this is a sales technique, but it works. So it's okay. Totally. I love that. So just digging into that a little more, how do you be a good listener? So the first thing is, so for those that are just listening, stay quiet. Again, I know as salespeople, we, love, we generally love to talk and present and all of that stuff. Truly listen. And there's a couple of components to that. The first, like I said, is just stay quiet. The next is try not to assume the next part. Even if the customer is describing a situation that the last 75 customers described in the exact same way, they may have a slightly different take on it or a little nuance, right? That that's different. Or maybe their motivation for why they want to change that thing is different. That's all important stuff. And so whatever it is that they have to say, take it in first, take a minute, process it. And then I always like to feed it back to them to make sure I truly understand. Because sometimes we think we hear, but we don't really, right? And we start kind of diverging and going on two separate paths. There was a study done, and I don't remember the university that did it, but essentially they looked at wait staff. And what they found was that for waiters and waitresses, those that when they took the order said, okay, so Jennifer, you wanted a cheeseburger with fries and you wanted a, a glass of wine. And Steve, you wanted a salad and a beer or right, whatever. Those that repeated the order back, actually, they got a, like a 15 or 20, 20% higher tip wow. than those that said, okay, yeah, I got it. Good to go. And then they moved on. Both got the orders correct, but that slight, all right, do I really hear you? Am I giving it back to you? Was enough to help bump them up. 
That's really cool. I love it. Hey, Eric, thanks so much for joining. It was awesome to have you on, and I appreciate you sharing all your wisdom, insights, and advice. Yeah, happy to do it. And those of you that are listening, if there's anything I can do to help you, please let me know. I'm happy to share some wisdom or at least pretend like I know what I'm talking about. Nice. Thanks.